Every summer, the uh, seminarians of our diocese go on a retreat together with you know, the vocation director and myself. Kind of late August, get ready for the new year, relax, enjoy each other's company, grow in fraternity, love of our diocese. And, uh, but this last year, this last August, uh, we decided to go camping kind of northern Wisconsin. And uh, I love our seminarians, but I will probably never do that again. <laughs> um, you know, just it was brought to mind with, you know, Peter asking Jesus if he could make three tents. And that's probably the only circumstance I might kind of go camping again on top of a mountain. But uh, it's a beautiful gospel we have today, beautiful readings, transfiguration. I think it helps, though, to set a little context, a little geographical context to kind of help us understand what may be going on here. And so this place where the transfiguration happened, it's, it's actually quite north of Jerusalem. So if you can maybe picture the Holy Land on a map, you have Jerusalem kind of center or south. And about two and a half hours north by car is Nazareth, uh, where Jesus himself grew up. Uh, walking, I think it takes a full day. Google Maps didn't have a donkey that I could plug in to see how long that took. Um, <laughs> but up in Nazareth. And just outside the city of Nazareth, it's kind of just part of the city today has expanded so much is the first hill, it's called Mount Precipice, or the Hill of the Precipice. You might remember it from when Jesus went to his own synagogue, opened the scroll and effectively said to everyone, I'm the Messiah, I'm here. Right? And they were very upset at that. They thought, we know this guy, he's human, he's not the Messiah. So they drove him out of the town, meant to go to this hill to throw him off the hill. Right? So this hill is kind of focuses on Jesus' humanity, not so much his divinity, right? The people were so upset about. But you can still go to this modern day hill just outside of Nazareth. Uh, there's actually a McDonald's along the way. You can get a McFlurry if you wish. You go to the hill, and if it's a clear day and you're on top of it, you could see across the entire valley. It's the Valley of Armageddon, which you know our tradition kind of holds that the, will take place at the end of time. And across the valley is another equally sized hill, which is Mount Tabor, uh, which is the hill, the mountain upon which Jesus transfigured uh, with his apostles, right? Moses and Elijah, they're present. So it's interesting, you know, on the one near Nazareth, you have the humanity of Jesus kind of shining forth, if you will. And on the other hill across the valley, you have the divinity of Jesus, which we hear today, shining forth. Right? This humanity and divinity, 100%, 100%, they're not separate, they are one. For the kind of the sake of these stories, we could see this, this tension between them. Right, this valley that seems to separate them. That through his entire ministry, the apostles are kind of struggling to reconcile these two things. So if you remember our gospel last week, Jesus was led into the desert, and there he was tempted three times. Tempted by the evil one. And then if you even take the chapter just before this one, this is chapter 17, if you go to 16, it's the passage where Jesus says, you must follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and die like me if you wish to have eternal life. He shares with them that he will die a cruel, painful death. And rightly so, uh, that caused distress among them. I mean, imagine someone you're close to, a dear family member, someone you're so close to that you almost share the same heart. Imagine they were to tell you that you must deny yourself, take up a cross, and die like me. It'd be kind of scandalous, right? especially scandalous because the resurrection hasn't even happened yet. It's only kind of been loosely talked about. Interesting. So what does Jesus do after this distressing, you know, words are kind of shared with his apostles? He takes them, the closest ones, he leads them up this mountain, 
and he is transfigured before them. Right? And so the transfigure then is not kind of an oddly placed you know, celebration we do here in Lent, but it's placed wisely by the church. We've been, you know, going this through two weeks. We've been tempted ourselves. We've been fasting and you know, giving alms, increasing our prayer, love of neighbor. And sometimes we could feel that burden. Maybe sometimes we're so scandalized by our own things going on in our lives, things we're dealing with, workplace or wherever it may be. Jesus wants to lead us up the mountain too, to transfigure himself before us. So the transfiguration then is, it's a consolation. He was telling the apostles, it's okay, Yes, I'm going to die. So are you too. But don't worry. Here's a little foretaste of the glory that is to come. So this happened 2,000 years ago, right, in the Holy Land. But just like that valley that separates those two hills, there's not a valley that separates us from it. Right, that we too can kind of see a little hill here, if you will, right, right here in this church, that steps up to this altar, which symbolizes the hill of Calvary, upon which Jesus himself will die, where we, we represent that, right? remember it in a very real living way in the Eucharist, that we could allow him to console us here with his radiance, his radiance in the Eucharist. And through that, our desire for heaven, for that fullness of the glory, can be increased. He could prepare us for the cross, the crosses we already carry. And then, kind of like Peter did, we realize that we're not meant to build tents right here in the church. We're meant to go back to our pew. After Mass, we go back into the world, back to our families, our workplaces. And we are meant to bring that light of Christ to all whom we encounter. To share with all the glory of the resurrection that is to come at Easter. Just a few moments after the creed and our intentions, we're going to pray the, the little preface prayer, right? To kind of get ready for the Eucharist. And the prayer reads this way. For after he had told the disciples of his coming death, on the holy mountain he manifested to them his glory, to show even by the testimony of the law and the prophets that the passion leads to the glory of the resurrection. So this morning we take Jesus at his word, that what we're going through, so long as we unite it to him, will be brought to the glory of the resurrection.